The reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun immorality. Every other sin which a man commits is outside the body but the immoral man sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belong to God. Peace be with you, the reader. Glory to you, O Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to you. Wisdom arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. The Lord said this parable. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. And he divided his living between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and took his journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in loose living. And when he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country, and he began to be in want. So he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would gladly have fed on the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and make merry. For this my son was, a de was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked him what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Lo, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to make merry and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. morning. Wonderful to see all of you. Uh, this morning, with the blessing of His Eminence, a long-standing, of course, blessing to preach, we are inviting Mr. Dan Christopoulos to offer a few words to us this morning uh, concerning OCMC and, of course, uh, today's uh, readings and our season. Because currently, Dan, after 19 years with IOCC, the International Orthodox Christian Charities, has since August been with OCMC, Orthodox Christian Mission Center, as the development of director. Uh, this was, as he says, a homecoming for him, since he was the very first missionary sent by OCMC overseas back in 1985. For two and a half years, he was a missionary in Kenya, teaching at the Orthodox Seminary in Nairobi and serving in Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda. Upon returning to the U.S. after that service, he was serving parishes in Texas, Colorado, Minnesota, and Louisiana. And so we're very happy to have Dan share a few words with us this morning. Thank 
few weeks ago here at St. Mary's in Minneapolis, we had Godparents Sunday. Many of you were with us, many watched online, and we did something very beautiful. We restated that part of the baptism service that takes place in the narthex before we actually come up, the catechism service. And as we were doing that, I was thinking about a scene just a couple months after we had arrived in Kenya in 1985, where it was the first time that I was doing a mass baptism of about 40 adults. We were in an area two and a half hours outside of Nairobi, working with a specific tribe. And one of the rituals of this tribe, if you will, a circumcision ritual, a rite of passage, was to knock out the two bottom teeth of the people. So they had this huge gap here, which meant, though, they could spit very well, very directionally sound. So as we're getting ready to do the baptism, all the people are lined up in front, and they're facing the West, if you remember. And we ask those questions. Do you renounce Satan? I do. Have you renounced Satan? I have. Then blow and spit upon him. Now what do we do in the Greek church? We get to that part and we go, toot, toot, toot. Isn't that cute? Right? What did these people do? I'm speaking in English, it's being translated in Swahili and into their native language of Luo. Then blow and spit upon him. And they go, and it was like bullets being shot at my feet. And I came to realize something very important. This wasn't a game. This wasn't a game to them. They took that choice seriously and then they turned back to the east. Do you join Christ? Have you joined Christ? Then bow before him. They made a choice, and they took action upon that choice. And that choice has a consequence. Father George and Father Jason and Deacon Paul and brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to look today at choices, the actions we take upon those choices and the consequences that they have. In this beautiful parable that we hear every year as we get ready to start Great Lent, that Deacon Paul just read from the Gospel of Luke, we hear the story of the prodigal son. There's actually three characters in the story, and each one of them makes choices and takes action. But we're going to concentrate on the younger son, the prodigal. What was his first choice? He said to his father, give me my inheritance that's due to me, which is unusual because usually the, el the older son would get his inheritance first. And then he makes a second choice and decides to leave, to separate himself from the father, to go into a faraway country. And then he makes a third choice. Once he gets to that faraway country, what does he do? He squanders it. He spends all his money. He suffered the consequences of those choices. 
Ultimately, as we just heard, he was lost. He was starving. He didn't know who he was, and he was completely empty. But the good news, the Evangelion, is that he didn't have to stay in that place of the consequences of those bad choices. And what did Deacon Paul just say? Exilthen is eafton, if we would have listened to Greek. He said it in English. He came to himself. Or as we might say it more colloquially, he came to his senses. He realized who he really was. He realized why he was really created. One of Father Anthony's favorite one-liners is the following. The difference between pig and sheep is that when pig fall into a mud hole, they want to wallow in it. When a sheep falls into the mud, what does it do? It immediately gets up and shakes itself off. As humans, we are called to be sheep and not pigs. What did we just hear in the epistle that I read from 1 Corinthians? Do you not know that you are the body? You in your body are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is from God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, that's good news. And that's exactly the work that the Orthodox Christian Mission Center OCMC engages in throughout the whole world to bring to people the good news, to spread the truth of Jesus Christ, to let people know that we're called to something higher than wallowing in the mud of our sin, wallowing in the mud of human depravity and mistakes. But today, Two-thirds of the whole world is not Christian. And one-fourth of the whole world has never heard the gospel. That's about one billion people. One-fourth of the whole world has never heard the gospel presented in a way where they could freely make a choice to accept Christ or not. And that's what OCMC tries to do, to bring people to a decision point by presenting Christ. That's why, since we were in Kenya in 1985, 111 other missionaries, long-term missionaries, have now been sent and worked in more than 53 countries, including the 24 missionaries who today, right now, are currently serving as missionaries throughout the world. That is why 336 mission teams have gone throughout the world including some of the people from this parish, like Elaine Macris, Mother Macrina, and others, who've gone not just to Africa or Guatemala, but served on mission teams, almost 2,000 people. Our first task at OCMC is to let people know that they have a choice, and that that choice matters. In the parable, the young son, the prodigal, was at a crossroads. He was at a watershed moment. And I would offer to you today, in this country right now, in this parish, in our personal lives, 
in this world, we too are at a moment of decision. A moment that has consequences as a nation, as a world. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Divisiveness and lack of kindness and agape love is rampant. There's an amazing story in the book of Revelations in the ninth chapter in verse 20 where we read the following. Now the rest of mankind who was not killed by the plagues, because this is coming right after the plagues that have been opened. Now the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and word and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Furthermore, they did not repent of their murder, sorcery, sexual immorality, and theft. As we get ready to enter Great Lent, and as we listen to the story of the prodigal son, that question, that choice is before you and me. Are we repenting? Tony Dungy, who many of you know, who played football at the University of Minnesota, coached the Indianapolis Colts, recently wrote the following. We are in a spiritual war in this country, and too many people are trying to fight that war with political solutions. We are in a spiritual war. And too many people are trying to fight that war with political solutions. The most needed spiritual weapon that we have is repentance. A true departure from the destructive path that we might be on. But let's be careful. Repentance and remorse are not the same thing. Remorse means to feel bad, maybe to feel guilty. It might be a precursor to repentance, but if we stop at remorse, that's not true metania. Because true repentance demands a change of action. St. Ambrose actually ties repentance to baptism when he writes, there are water and tears, the water of baptism and the tears of repentance. St. Simeon, the new theologian who lived in the 11th century, further expands upon this. And he talks about the tears of repentance as a second baptism. The prodigal son came to himself. He remembered who he was. He take actions. He took actions. And he went home. Metropolitan Callistos Ware writes, repentance is the return from exile to our true home. But it took guts to go home. It took guts for the prodigal son to make that change, and it takes guts for us. Why did he do it? Why should we do it? Because our God is a great God, and God's love is greater than my sin, and his ability to forgive never stops. But sometimes we stay mired in our sin like the pigs because we don't know that. And why don't we know that? 
Some of it is because we have made God into our image as petty, unforgiving, holding a grudge, loving only with condition. Too many times this is the God that people see when they look at us in our actions as Christians. They see us as arrogant, with a lack of humility, with more judgment than mercy, hatred instead of love. Gandhi, the ruler of India, famously quoted, if you Christians really lived out the words of Jesus Christ, then I and my whole nation today would be Christian. In this story of the prodigal, we see the unconditional love of God in the image of the Father. Look at this scene. The son decides, I'm going to change. He goes home, and while he's still at a distance, it isn't just the robe that is brought, not just the ring that's put on his hand, which signifies a new life, but the father runs to him. He falls upon his neck. He fervently embraces him. He hugs him with this safe, fully enveloping hug. When Zoe was in high school, she was at the state volleyball tournament in Wyoming, and they lost. And I'll never forget going onto that court after the game, and she's crying terribly. She's distraught. And I have a picture somebody took of me holding her right here. No parent forgets that feeling. And no child forgets that feeling of God's fatherly love. That's what awaits us when we repent. That's the good news that all of us must share God's love, not just for OCMC, but right here. Because that love is life-changing. And let me finish with one story, another baptism story, a story that took place after two years in Kenya. We had finished divine liturgy. Somebody came up and said, there's a man who has cancer and he wants to be baptized. I'm like, sure. Where does he live? He lives another two hours in the bush. So we started out. His name was John. We got to his little hut. He came out. His wife was Christian. And I asked the translator, John, why do you want to be baptized? He said, because I have cancer and I know I'm dying. But my wife knows Jesus and she talks to me about Jesus. And when I die, I want to see Jesus. So I'm thinking, that's good enough for me. <clears throat> so we baptize him. We get done with the service. I, had, I, I wasn't ready to do this. I had a cross at the Goya in Houston that had given me. I took it off. I put it on him. We got done with the service, and I said, John, talk to me. What do you feel? And he looked at me. Nobody had catechized him. Nobody had taught him theology. And he said it was something very strange. I said, what? He said, I'm 84 years old. But when you put that stuff, that oil on my head, and anointed me, Something in my heart left, and I felt like a baby that I was being born again. I was being born again. That is the Holy Spirit. 
And that's what we have to share. Through the support of organizations like OCMC, the 24 missionaries like Presbyteta Georgia Bendo, Bendo, who's in Albania with her, and that's the sister of Presbyteta Alexandra. To support the way you guys did for me financially, when before I left Kenya, you bought a new truck from this parish. To pray for our missionaries the way some of you remember our names were on the bulletin to be prayed for. That's what it means to be a missionary. That's what it means to repent like the prodigal son. And that's what it means to have a new life in Christ, to whom be all glory, honor, and praise, together with his Father who has no beginning, but all holy good and life-giving spirit. Amen. Amen. Please rise.